Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is October 22nd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and welcome back to Bruins Talk. Once again, back for another week. And I think this past week, since we last talked, I think there's been a lot of storylines that have popped up and really shown themselves for the Bruins that are going to be very indicative and shape how we see the Bruins over this next year. So the 2019-20 Bruins, I think, are going to be shaped a lot by the storylines that popped up over the past week. And to preview all of that and to talk about all that, I had on my good friend Connor Ryan at Boston Sports Journal. We get into everything because I think this this past week is going to be really big for the Bruins in the long run. And um, I will explain all of that throughout the podcast before we get into the conversation I want to tell you about my good friends over at betonline.ag. They're more than just some, some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there nowadays, but none are actually anything like betonline.ag. Their approach is to focus on the player, which is you, and they built their incredible reputation on offering you nothing but the best. From cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions and the latest sports betting odds, they have it all. They're famous for their sports book where there are live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports, including the NHL. So you can bet on your Boston Bruins. You can bet on any team you want. The World Series is coming up. You go for what you want to do, baby. Their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy and in real time. If you would like to bet on any games, but especially the Bruins, if you'd like to bet on the Bruins or any of your favorite sports, use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys like to keep this podcast free, which I hope and imagine you would, go there and take advantage of this great opportunity. That's betonline.ag. All right, so let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? I am... Fully immersed in Bruins season. We were talking before we got on and recording that uh, the Blues are coming up. So a big thing is re- reliving the Stanley Cup of last year. And we both refuse to talk about that, at least this week. Maybe next week I might have to talk about it. But this week, I'm t- on this episode, we are not talking about it. We are not going into uh, the Stanley Cup. We're not going into the Blues. We're sick and done, sick and past that, all that stuff. 
Um, so this is going to be a show where we don't talk about that. So if you don't want to, if you wanted us to talk about last year's Stanley Cup, if you wanted us to preview the Blues, find a new podcast to, to listen to. Exactly, and also, I mean, they got like three days off in between games, so you're going to get a whole bunch of that anyway over the next <laughs> couple of days on Twitter or anywhere else. So get ready and gear up for it. Yes, I think this episode we're talking about today is actually much uh, more interesting. So the Bruins had an interesting week. Um, won some games, lost some games. Um, biggest ta- uh, takeaway I had from uh, the week was the Bruins are top heavy. And obviously that's not very original. Everybody thinks that. Everybody knows that the top line is scoring at this incredible rate. Pasternak is leading the world in goals right now. Um, the guy cannot stop scoring. Which makes me think maybe it's time to put him on the second line. And one of the best cases I saw for this, Kevin Paul DuPont had a column in the globe a few days ago. Um, and it's at the, it's the last two paragraphs of his column that I thought were really, really interesting and intriguing point in moving Pasternak down because obviously everybody wants production spread out, but this kind of makes it a little bit more urgent. He says GM Don Sweeney in hopes of bolstering second line pop. The last two trade deadlines has surrendered five draft picks, first, second, uh, a pair of fourth rounders and a seventh rounder and dished away prospect Ryan Donato for the likes of Rick Nash retired Marcus Johansson in Buffalo also has seven points in nine games and Charlie Coyle time to see what Pasternak can do on a different line. Look for answers now rather than in February when asking prices run high and time is running out. I think that's a pretty good case for why Pasternak should probably be on the second line. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at just the track record and, you know, we've talked before about how hesitant Don Sweeney's kind of been in the past when it, you know, in terms of getting rid of assets and you have this conversation every year, once we get to January and February, where it's like, all right, time to, you know, we hear all this stuff about guys like back in Ian and Sidnika and all these, you know, blue chip prospects that they have, you know, will he, you know, trade one of those guys or, Thing like that, and Sweeney's been very hesitant to to move those guys, and especially you know a a first round pick. Like we saw what happened when they traded for Rick Nash, and how desperate Sweeney was to get back into the first round. Because I mean, I think the Bruins you know you know are well aware of when you get into that first round, whether it be you know a top ten pick or you know getting a guy like McAvoy in the middle there, or uh, you know anything like that, you can find value just about everywhere in that first in that first round. So. Um, if you're the Bruins, you know, if you're able to avoid kind of falling into that, you know, routine of, you know, having to look elsewhere for talent, especially top six talent uh, in January and February, you know, it, it, it makes so much sense that you'd rather have, you know, see what Pasternak has there and whether he can help you out before giving up those assets or, you know, put, you know, hedging your bets on, you know, a guy who, you know, it, it's worked out in the past with, you know, a guy like Johansson who helped on that third line. But say they spring a trade for a guy that thinks can be a top six answer and he doesn't pan out. Well, you've already given him a bunch of assets. Again, the window for this team is very, very, very limited. So if you don't, you know, strike gold on one of these guys, it really, really, really set you back. Like, I don't I don't see why you would at least see what you have with Pasternak down there first before you start exploring those options. Because you look at the guys who could be available by February, if they aren't, if they aren't traded beforehand, I mean, you obviously have the, the Taylor Hall argument, which is he, he's, like he's going to be the, the Mark Stone of this year's uh, trade deadline. Um, got like Chris Kreider, who's been in, you know, the trade rumor mill for, for years now, it seems, and especially based on how that range of teams is looking. 
Uh, he's a guy who, again, New England guy, BC guy, makes sense. <laughs> so get ready for those for those talks. So it's all shaping up that, you know, the way that it's looking right now, it's going to be the same old routine where the Bruins are going to be looking for top six help. But if you have a solution where, you know, you have Pasternak down there who has played well with, you know, Krejci or let's say in the short term right now, Coyle, I mean, I don't know why you don't give that a run before doing more drastic options. Yes. I mean, switch guys around, put guys in different places and give it a little bit of time. Don't do it. You know, Cassidy has a habit to switch right back to it in mid game. Give it time. You know, um, I see no reason why they can't move Pasternak down to that second line because so this hits at my next point. By the way, you mentioned the Kreider thing coming here, being a hometown kid. Have we ever seen mm-hmm. that before with the Bruins? Have the Bruins ever gotten a hometown I mean, kid before? It sounds familiar. It might have been – I think it was maybe like you – know, I know Jimmy Hayes had that thing. That was a few years ago, though. That hasn't happened since then. However, I, I don't think like, so. if, it, if it's on the market, it's going to happen. So get ready for it. Oh, yes. Um, so this leads to my next point. So Krejci's hurt right now. Uh, if Poshnok were to move down, it would be DeBrusque, Coyle, Pasternak which is a solid line. Now, Coyle has not done much to start the year. I think they have two assists right now. Pete Blackburn brought this up to me in a prior episode, and I thought it was a really good take. He said, um, this could be Krejci's final year with the Bruins because the Bruins might, Coyle might have a breakout year. They give him the money because Krejci, this is his last year on his deal. Um, and Coyle, this is also his last year on his deal, if I'm correct. Nope, I'm not. Krejci has more than one year. He's got one more year left. Okay, so his take was the Bruins would trade Krejci and promote and pay Coyle as the second-line center. Now, he's got to play like a second-line center this year for him to get that money. I think if you move Pasternak down, this is Coyle's real audition to be the second-line center for the Bruins, not just for this year, but for the future too. Because when Krejci's contract is up, I think it's after next year, correct? Yeah. After next year... They're not going to want to give him that kind of money, but they might want to for Coyle if he plays like it. So my take is not not only is this big for the team now and separating the scoring, it's also big for Coyle becoming the second line center. And this is sort of his audition. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, you could kind of say the coach had a bit of a slow start, but I also think it's not really anyone's fault because a lot of been injuries and stuff like that, but, you saw kind of some of the combinations that they kind of gave Coyle in the preseason, which, again, it's the preseason. You saw some of the competition they're up against, so you have to kind of, you know, skewer some of those numbers. But when you had, like, you know, him with Heinen and, you know, Bjork when he was in that role, they looked like they were really, you know, dynamic. Um, you kind of know what you get with a guy like Coyle, where he's a very, you know, puck possession heavy guy, a guy who likes to hold on to the puck, uh, create space, kind of similar to what, to how David Krejci kind of plays. But, then you go into the regular season, and him and Heinen have been solid. But then when you mix in, you know, like he's been Brett Ritchie a lot, and Brett Ritchie, again, I, I, don't, I don't really see what, you know, what where the value is in terms of what he brings. I mean, big body, we all know that. But you never really see him, you know, down low operating with the puck, you know, a guy who, you know, at the very least, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to compare him to like a guy like James Neal, but James Neal at least kind of knows what to do with, you know, what, what he has as a player where he's a power forward, where he kind of hangs down low, able to get rebounds. You don't always see that with Richie. You always see him, like, you know, operating along the half wall and kind of where he doesn't really – where it wouldn't really make sense for a guy like him to, you know, cash in on some rebounds, some high-quality chances. Like, the rate in which the Bruins, you know, fail to generate, like, high-quality, high-danger looks, 
and the ice is like staggering. Like you put Coil with Heinen and and Coleman, and like you can see the numbers just drop, like jump up substantially when it comes to you know just like shot rates and stuff like that. So I think Coil's kind of had a bit of a raw deal in the early going, just in terms of what lineup he's been kind of forced to deal with, and we'll see how it is for Tuesday because right now it's looking like probably Richie again with DeBrusque and DeBrusque hopefully can kind of build off of, you know, his last game. So see it goes like from there, but if you put a guy like Pasternak with him, I mean, that's a, an easy way for him to boost up his numbers. And even though, you know, Pasternak, you know, is projected as this guy who's, you know, got, you know, great hands, great speed that he can really kind of, you know, strike early. You saw like in that four goal game against Anaheim where like, you know, he scores off of, you know, one timer, but he also like, down low as an easy tap-in goal. Like, Pasternak's so good because he can do so many different things in terms of getting himself into scoring, you know, areas of the ice. So, I think if you pair him with a guy like Coyle who can hold on to the puck, as we've seen for, for you know, 20, 30 seconds for an O-line, sh- like an O-zone shift, like, if you've got to put a guy like Pasternak who knows how to get open, who knows how to create space for himself, you think the points would start piling up for both those guys. So, I think, as you said, it's going to be a key, a key kind of sequence for Coyle to see if, how we can handle with some, you know, bigger weapons to kind of play alongside with. And you mentioned DeBrusque there. Uh, prior to Saturday's game, the story was DeBrusque is having a rough start. He's not playing well. Um, does he need to be sat? Some people were saying. Um, I think that's unfair. I don't think that's a fair judgment of his play through the first couple games. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, his normal self. He wasn't scoring, but... His numbers are still there. If you look at, you know, the high danger chances for, if you look at uh, his expected goals for, stuff like that, he ha- he's not at the bottom of the team in that. He's in the middle of the pack to top of the pack. So the, the chances are there. That comes from David Krejci's been banged up. You know, his main center has been banged up all year. He also does not have a consistent right wing on that right side because Coleman's kind of been all over the place. So the right. lack of stability on those, on those middle two lines, that's kind right. of the reason why the production's been low is because there's no real stability. I mean, we saw in the postseason last year, you know, uh, that third line, the Coyle, uh, Johansson, Heinen line was stable and they produced. And the fourth line, fourth line's weird to me because it might not be always the same people, but it's the same type mm-hmm. of players. And they all somehow have right. a chemistry. You know, Schaller right. goes two years ago, someone slots right in. Achari's gone now, someone, you know, slots right in. So now it's, you know, Corrali, Nordstrom, and Wagner, and they just make it work. And, and mm-hmm. so the, the first and fourth lines have been completely stable. The middle two have mm-hmm. not. And I think that's sort of the source of why the production hasn't been there, especially for a guy like Jake DeBrusque, who I think is going to start scoring. I think Jake DeBrusque is going to start scoring. Um, I'm going to give you one minute. I'm going to give you, I'm going to time you, Connor. I'm going to give you one minute and you're going to tell me why the Bruins should call up Anders Bjork. I'm only going to give you a minute. I'm literally setting a timer because this is going to be the Anders Bjork minute because everybody's big on Bjork. I'm big on Bjork, but I know you are a, were a huge proponent of Bjork. Um, you were, not pleased with the decision to have Brett Ritchie in the lineup instead of a guy like Bjork. Bjork's been nasty in Providence. How many times can I say Bjork in the last minute? So I'm going to give you one minute to pitch me. This is Shark Tank. I'm Don Sweeney. You walk in, you see me, and you have the Anders Bjork pitch start. I, mean, I, I hope I, I hope I wouldn't be the one to be pitching Don Sweeney on a personal <laughs> decision. But anyway, I think uh, what you know Bjork kind of can bring this team and. It all depends on how they want to, you know, utilize him. Because it seems like right now they really want to keep him on his strong side of left wing, which kind of limits 
I'm about to say a little bit, but I think if Bjork is able to function up at the NHL level and contribute to one of these top three lines, it gives them so much more versatility in terms of what they can do. Because let's say, you know, if they want to put him over at right wing and, you know, put him with Bergeron Marchand, where he's excelled, you know, in, in years past, I think like the trios have like a five, you know, five on five goals scored for 60 minutes right before, like you put most guys who are competent with a guy like Bergeron and Marchand, you're going to have a pretty good line regardless. So put them there. It allows you to put down Pasternak um, to the second line and generate more offense that way. If Krejci comes back and you want to put, you know, something where it's put Bjork at left wing with Coyle and, and ship Heinen to the right, which he's able to do, then you have a line that was probably their most effective line during the preseason. So I think in terms of right now, you're kind of stuck with, you know, uh, you know, some players where it'd be like Richie, where you don't really know what his role is. Backus, you really don't want to take him anything off of that, you know, fourth line role. So bringing a guy like Bjork, who has excelled down in Providence, as you said, and able to kind of put him in spots where it's either first line, second line, if need be third line, he can excel in any of those areas. If he kind of hits the, the, you know, potential, the ceiling that he's kind of set for himself as a guy that can kind of contribute up at the NHL level. I gave you a minute 32, and you know what? You successfully pitched me. No, I think that a guy like Bjork is the perfect fit for a guy to throw up on the top line next to Bergeron and Marchand because, you know, give this kid a shot. Give this kid a real shot with a real line. Don't – Bjork's got skill. That kid is good. Don't just throw him on the third line. I mean, with Coyle, like, fine. I'm, I'm okay with that in theory. If they wanted to, to move Heinen up instead, sure. I don't really know who you're going to put instead of Hyde on that line with Bjork and Coyle, but go for it. But don't just throw him in a lineup somewhere. Don't throw him in for a game or two. Say, you know what? We're going to commit to this for a couple games, you know, three, four, five games with Bjork, with Martian and, 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 and Bergeron and go for it. Try it. This kid's good. This kid is good and he's killing it at the Providence level. Why not? Now it seems like the time. And it's also the beginning of the year. Like they're in a good spot in the standings. They've gotten points lately. Try it. If it doesn't work out, it's the beginning of the season. I know everyone says, take 80, take all 82 games seriously. But come on. It's the beginning of the season. Try it out. Look good in the preseason. Looks good in the AHL. And kind of like Kevin Paul DuPont said, if they can find a way to if, – if Pasternak goes down to the second line and the second line starts scoring, and then mm-hmm. a guy goes up to the first line and the first line continues to score, maybe not at the same rate, but still scoring mm-hmm. – Right. You pr- maybe don't have to go out at the deadline and spend an arm and a leg for someone. You can just get a depth piece if, if need be. So um, that's what I think on that whole situation with Bjork. And uh, your pitch to me was incredibly, incredibly good. You should, you should go on Shark Tank, Connor. There should be a Bruins Shark no, Tank. I, absolutely not. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for your endorsement. I appreciate it. That show is quite the, uh, quite the show. So uh, we've covered the top lines. We've covered moving lines around, all that fun stuff. Um, Ty Anderson had a part in his column after the Tampa game. Bruins lost to Tampa in a shootout. Quite intense. Gotta love, uh, I love your tweet. I, I loved your tweet, uh, during, oh, I think it was during overtime. You said like, Mr. Bettman, I don't feel so good. Cause it was from June when those games would go to overtime. Um, and so, but the shootout was crazy and Ty had a thing in his column. Uh, after the fourth, I think it was four, three loss or overtime loss, excuse me. Um, where he said, what's worse or what's better for your team's future? Uh, losing like Tampa did in the playoffs last year or losing like Boston did in the playoffs last year. What's better for your team's long-term success? 
I think, well, Ty said it's Tampa's. Tampa's is better for the long term. I mean, you look at the 2010 Bruins, they get, you know, they uh, lose after being up 3-0 on the Flyers. They win the cup the next year. They were motivated. Players said that. Um, Teams typically don't, a lot of times, come back from a Game 7 Stanley Cup final loss. It's not done Mm. often. Um, So I think the better loss or the more helpful loss for the future is the Tampa one. I think that totally wakes up. I mean, they're my cup pick this year. The Bruins are not. Um, what do you think on that? Cause that's a cool hypothetical. I thought that was a really cool hypothetical question. Yeah. Um, I think it, you know, both you can kind of spin obviously the positives and negatives and the negatives are obviously evident for both those teams. And, and when you talk about, um, you know, Tampa Bay and like the, I mean, the hype and the, you know, how, how good they were from, you know, October all the way, all the way to April and just deployment like that. Like, I mean, that was like an absurd kind of like, you know, development that you don't rarely see in the NHL. Like you see upsets all the time when you get to the playoffs, like anything can happen. But I mean, it seems like they were really like rattled by that. Like they, you know, you see all the stuff they talked about during the preseason of how much it's one good book down. And obviously you lose game seven in the Stanley Cup final on home ice. That's going to stick with you for the rest of your career as well. Um, I think in terms of a long-term thing, uh, I mean, I think if you want to make the case for the Bruins, like at the very least, when you got a team where you have so many younger players who are, you know, 21, 22, 23 years old to go through an an extended Stanley Cup run like that against tough competition, against teams that are all kind of through a little bit of different stuff at you. Like, you know, you know what, you know, Toronto's strengths are, how to match up against those guys. Uh, Columbus, you know, had a lot of skill, but also had some guys like Dubois and Anderson who hit kind of everything that moves out there on the ice. Um, Carolina's very fast-paced, fired a lot of shots. And the Blues, you know, have that kind of grinding, heavy kind of style of play. So I think, look at the Bruins' perspective, you know, it's going to be very, very hard. Obviously, I'm not breaking any new ground. We're saying that it's going to be tough for them to get back to the Stanley Cup final. But um, look at the experience that those younger players like McAvoy, Calo, you know, the brush, all these guys gain from a, a run like that. I think that's positive than being, you know, a guy like, you know, Sorelli or Matthew Joseph, one of these guys who great year, you know, great development. They those great players. And then you get, you know, knocked around by Columbus in the first round, you're out. Like, I think if, you you know, you're John Cooper, even if you don't win the cup, you'd rather have those guys know what it's like to do, you know, go through playoff hockey and the game kind of slows down, grinds down. So I think it's from the Bruins perspective, from team-wide perspective, obviously it's a, a big blood of morale, obviously, like no crap. But uh, in terms of, you know, getting those guys along, these younger players, I think they can only kind of benefit from that. And you see, I think like the last 10 years, uh, the team that's lost the Stanley Cup final, I think they've averaged like 106 points next year in the standing. So it's like you usually can't see a drop off. Like the only, only team that like wasn't in that wavelength was the Devils. But that was also a lockout year. So you can't really put that in the group, you know. So teams rarely like have a significant drop off. It's, even once you get to the playoffs, I think it's kind of tougher. But I think if you're the Bruins, you have to be happy that you still have a really young core that have gone through 20-plus games of playoff experience in one year. Like, you can build off so much of that, and we'll see how it kind of pans out going into this year. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And I think the game against the Lightning uh, on Thursday was cool to me in the sense that uh, the Lightning haven't started out good. They haven't started out well. Um, they are – uh, currently four, three, and one. They're fifth in the Atlantic. I know this time of year, no one cares where you are in the division. The Sabres are in first place. Nobody cares after last year. Right. Um, but 
the athletic, uh, this week did their power rankings and they said the lightning are barely holding on to number one, uh, in the NHL. Cause everyone thinks they're still going to be the cup finalists. At least, uh, the cup favorites right now. I'm pretty sure. Um, the avalanche are hot, hot. They are a hot team. Um, but the Bruins held their own against the lightning the other night. I mean, they went to a shootout. We expected them to hold their own. Is there any chance the Bruins actually leapfrog the Lightning this year? Because coming in, I was a huge guy of it's going to be Lightning, Leafs, Bruins. That's my final prediction. I think this is the year that the Bruins go to third and the Leafs go to second. But is there a chance? Is there a, is there a good chance? Because obviously there's a chance for anything. It's hockey. But is there a good chance that the Bruins leapfrog the Lightning and finish possibly at least ahead of them? I mean, it's one of those cases where I think, you know, if you look at just pure talent, I mean, you look at just what the the Lightning roll out, and when they're playing at 100%, I mean, we look at, you know, how good that, you know, top six is. They've got a guy like Sorelli who's really, you know, elevated his game this year, especially as kind of their shutdown kind of option, which it's not like they have like a fourth line in terms of knockdown guys. Like Alex Sorelli, who, you know, is probably going to hit 50, 60 points this year if he keeps on playing at his pace, so... Look at, you know, what they got on the decor, um, you know, just all across that lineup. If they're playing up to their capabilities, I think they're the best team in the NHL and it's not even kind of close. Like, there's, you know, teams like the Bruins and Colorado and all these teams that are going to be right there in the mix, like that are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. But I think it's, you know, all going to depend on how Tampa Bay kind of, you know, moves on from last year and how it ended with them. Because it seems like it still is kind of really sticking with them. Like, it's something they've talked about quite a bit. You're hearing more of the Tampa Bay Lightning talking about getting past this first round exit than you have the Bruins talking about, you know, game seven last year. Like, it seems like you'll hear that this, ready. you'll hear that this week though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, they have to get ready for it again, but I know it's going to be what, you know, we've heard back in September where, you know, the page is turned uh, looking forward and you just look at everything that's going on in Tampa Bay with how they're still talking about how much that game, that series affected them and how there's multiple games where they're not playing up to, you know, what capabilities of what you usually see from a team like this. I mean, they've really been, like, on the wrong side of, like, you know, shots on goal, and they've been really, like, dominated in quite a few periods of, of play so far. So, I think you look at, uh, you know, both the Bruins and Lightning, if they both play up to their capabilities, like, the case could be made that the Bruins, you know, could have gone, you know, 3-0-0 this, this week against, you know, you know, two really, really good teams, you know, with, with Tampa Bay and Toronto. It's just, you know, injuries and secondary scoring and all this stuff. So say they add a guy like Bjork and he really kind of fits into one of those puzzle pieces and they get going on three lines. They've already got a great tandem in that. You know, they've got, you know, a promising decor. Like the case for me, the Bruins are better than they were last year, especially these younger guys who make that next step. But I think it all is going to hinge on just what, how Tampa Bay bounces back. So I think if they, they get back into playing the way we've seen them play before, I think they're still the best team in the NHL. But right now it's been much closer than people would expect. Like there's been quite a few games with Tampa where, you know, they don't look like the team that absolutely went scorched earth for most of last year. Well, there's a couple takes I have for the lightning. Number one, Cassidy seemed to sort of figure out again, what shuts down that top line for Tampa and it's the fourth line. They get under their skin, they're grindy, you know, the Bergeron line just isn't really going to beat them. Um, let me read you the lines real quick for the Lightning because this is how good they are. I mean, they're a good team. The biggest enemy to Tampa is themselves. 
the biggest mm. enemy to themselves is literally them. Because first line, Stamkos, Point, Kucherov. That is a possible best line in hockey. Second line, Palat, Johnson, Gord. That's a great second line. Yeah. Third line, Alex Kalorn, Anthony Sorelli, Matthew Joseph. Good, mm. good, and good. And the fourth line is Patrick Maroon, Carter Vergaige, I don't, I can't say that, <laughs> and Luke Witkowski. But Patrick Maroon's a great addition to that fourth line. I mean, he just won a freaking Stanley Cup. Um, Andy, yeah. Hedman, and Cernak, McDonough, Shattenkirk, Coburn, Sergachev. And I'm still, I don't know how I feel about Vasilevsky yet. I know he's good, but his rebound control is not too great. And I've just never right. been a huge Vasilevsky guy. I need to be proven a little bit more. Um, I think that if Tampa does shoot themselves in the foot, the Bruins could easily leapfrog them because they're much, Bruins are me- way mentally tougher of a team. <laughs> but if the Lightning right. can if the Lightning can find a way to get over themselves and get over last year, they're the better team. Mm-hmm. They're just the better team on paper. Right. When they want to play, they freaking play. Um, but yeah, I think we hit every single topic we needed to for this week. Um, before I let you go, Connor, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, we're going to, obviously with, uh, you know, the blues coming to town, I don't envision we're going to have a whole bunch of, uh, reflections on game seven, but there's obviously so much stuff dissect with how both teams have, you know, come into this year. And, um, obviously the blues aren't kind of hitting their stride as, you know, to be expected for a team coming off of, you know, a Stanley cup win, but there's so much stuff to dissect with that team and how they match up, you know, once again this year. So we'll have plenty of stuff this whole week on Boston sports channel. Um, both breaking down that game, reflecting on what should be another great matchup against the Maple Leafs on Tuesday. So uh, follow us at bostonsportschannel.com, subscribe. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, you can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93. He's a great Twitter follow. He's an even better writer to follow. Uh, you know what's so funny about the Blues, though, which I love this year, is every team that's starting off bad. So the Dallas Stars, the Minnesota Wild, they're all going, look at the Blues last year. We could be the Blues. Yeah. We could be the Blues. I love that. Right. I think that's so funny that that's translated this year, and people are like, "We're okay because the stars start off terrible." Except, exactly. What's going to happen though is there's like you know the the fabled like what is it the November uh, like the Thanksgiving like you know threshold which people say if you're not you know in that playoff picture it's so hard to get into it. So now like, the Blues have like switched that whole narrative on its head. There's going to be some crappy team who's going to be like, "Oh no, we'll, we'll write the ship and it's not going to work." Now it's like. Has so much talent, but like, man, like, if you don't start like pulling their weight, they're gonna be, you know, sculling very, very quick. So, so we'll they see. were my pick to go to the cup. Like, oh, I dude, picked I, them I, to go to I the have cup. them as like, a, as like a top six, seven team. When you look at like that that decor and how strong that team is, especially like on the on the back end, you got Ben Bishop and Nett, like Heiskin and what he did last year. Like, it's I'm like shocked that like just nothing has kind of gone their way at all. And you even have like. um you know, Rube Hinz is, like, shooting, like, 48%, like, whenever he, like, has the fact that he's going to the net. But they have guys who are overperforming, and they're still, like, the, the, you know, the way they are in the sittings right now, it's shocking. When, uh, when Ben Bishop, when you're a goalie and you allow the first two shots of your season and they're off the stick of Brett Ritchie not and Dan great. Heinen, not great, not a great start. Um, just before, before we go, uh, the Ducks, or excuse me, the Oilers are in first place in the Pacific. After them is the Ducks. Both those teams were projected to finish low. And, yeah, it's been a weird start to the year, especially out west. I mean, the Avalanche are undefeated. Um, they have not lost a game in regulation yet. So 
it's a weird year, but it's a fun year. It seems like it's going to be a fun year in the NHL. Um, the other night there was like three goal of the year candidates in one night. You had the um, Sonny Milano goal, Sidney Crosby goal, yeah. McDavid, Eichel. I mean, it's been a fun year thus far, and I hope it continues. Um, but for CLNS Media and for Bruins Beat, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You guys have a tremendous rest of your week. Yeah.